Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 58 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have been waiting for this guest to come on the show for a while, and I'm so excited to welcome Miran Kirikosian. Miran, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got that name down. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. So guys, Miran is widely known for his extensive work with Britney Spears, Madonna, Ricky Martin, and many more. And he served as an assistant choreographer, artistic director for NBC's popular show, The Voice. He built a brand that consists of his own YouTube channel. And as the content creator of Miran TV, his usually popular YouTube channel has over one and a half million subscribers worldwide. In March of 2019, he opened the doors to his own production company, Dance Studio, Miran K Studios, located in Burbank, California. And we will put all of the links in the show notes at the end so you can check it out. And if you're in Cali like me, um, let's meet there because I'm totally coming. Miran, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to hear the story because when we spoke briefly a while ago, the studio was still a dream and now yes. it's a reality, which is so exciting. So yes. tell us a little bit about this journey, you know, from celebrity choreographer to YouTube star. Now you've got your own brick and mortar. Like, where did this start from? How'd you get into dancing to begin with? All right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so um, just to start it off, my dad was a dancer choreographer back home in Armenia. Uh, so we're, we're going back all the way to the eighties now. Um, I grew up in 85. Um, I really started dancing more when uh, my family moved to America. So we moved here in 1992. That was when uh, a couple of years before when Armenia was part of the Soviet Union and, uh, Soviet Union had collapsed. So Armenia became an independent country. So at that point, uh, we were kind of like on our own every, we had to like uh, pretty much every money you had in the bank just disappeared and you had to start all over again because you're a new country now. You print your own money and your own currency. So uh, once that happened, you know, it was uh, the, the, the two years that I really remember when I was like more five, six years old. It was a lot of like no electricity and no water and like everything was given to you by time. So we had water from like 7 a.m. to like 9 a.m. So you would have to save water for shower, for washing dishes, for washing clothes. And we would, you know, put candles out for lights and sit down in the living room. So it was a lot of that that I remember, but I don't want to make it sound like it was difficult times because I was a little kid and my parents always made me feel like there was nothing wrong. So it just was our norm, you know? So I don't, I don't remember being traumatized or anything like that because it was that crazy. I just thought it was normal. <laughs> so it was perfectly fine, but obviously it wasn't normal. So then my family sold our house for seven tickets to America. So wow. we pretty much, yeah, we pretty much exchanged our house for seven tickets and we moved out here. My, my father had um, uh, his um, uncles that were already here for a couple of years and they had been living here. So when we came in, we moved in with them for the first six months to a year until my dad got <clears throat> figured out what he was going to do and get a job and he decided that hey you know I'm a dancer I'm a choreographer I used to do that back home I'm just gonna open up a studio here as well um they told him it was a bad idea 
no one's going to dance and, you know, get a normal job and all of that stuff that you would usually hear when uh, you have some type of artistic, you know, uh, talent and everybody doesn't really take that serious. But um, well, not not nowadays, but, you know, back in the no, 80s. No, in the 90s and yeah. 80s, for sure. It was always doctor, lawyer, this, this, that, or something <clears throat> where you needed a certificate for. But, um, um, yeah, but my dad went ahead and just followed his passion and, and opened up a local studio where a lot of just local, like, Armenian kids came and Russian kids and people that kind of knew us and knew the community. And um, little by little, it just started becoming a dance. And that's where I started dancing. My, me and my brother, my dad just took us along with him. It was a way to spend some time with my father, but at the same time, you know, learn dance. Um, I never really took it serious. I did have fun. I'm not going to lie. You know, was, you know, you're there. I was there, you know, three, four hours a day with my dad and just dancing and with other kids and having fun. Um, so that started at the age of seven. And I kept dancing and doing, you know, my little imitations of Michael Jackson, which is a big, big part of my life. And one of the reasons why I became a professional dancer and a performer. Um, and um, all the way till 12, 13, I was dancing with my dad. And then at the age of 13, um, in high school, I joined an after school activity called a theater workshop, which was a class um, that focused not only on uh, drama and things like that but it was more like acting dancing anything that you would have to learn on stage was part of that class it was a very rare class to have in high school because a lot of other high schools just had drama class so ours was a little bit more special um the teacher's name was kevin kane who became a big uh art teacher in ucla now and, and opened up a department over there but um i started with him and my passion kind of started there at the age of 13 where i was like okay, I want to, I want to do this for real. Like I want to be a professional dancer. And when, when that kind of clicked and I knew that's what I wanted to do, everything started not mattering anymore. Like, uh, my, well, well my uh, grades dropped, which, <laughs> which kind of like when I was a really good student, I would get B's and A's, maybe a few C's. And then that dramatically went to C's and D's and F's and things like that. But that was only cause I kind of just felt like I knew what I wanted to do now. Like I had a passion for dance. I, I, I was convinced I'm doing this professionally. I was convinced that this is what I'm going to do. And I would just only focus on that. Like I would just dance day and night. I, you, anywhere you catch me, I was dancing at the store, at the supermarket, anywhere. I heard music. I was moving. I started getting involved in more classes, taking classes. I asked my dad to take me to different, you know, to Millennium at the time, which was one and one of the only hottest studios at that time was I think Millennium, Debbie Reynolds, The Edge were like the three main studios at that time. Now you can probably find a hundred in, in just in the NoHo area, but probably. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, just really, really passionately like had convinced myself that I'm going to be a professional dancer. And I remember one of the performances I was watching at that time on, M on the MTV Music Awards was that Britney Spears in sync mashup performance they had, I think it was the 98 VMAs. When I saw that performance, I was like, all right, I got to be one of those dancers. I was like, that was just my dream. Um, and that was it. Like, I was just really convinced everything from that point on was all about dance. I, you know, I started hanging out, hanging out less with my friends, uh, doing, you know, not doing my normal activities of just like playing and doing, it was just, everything was dance, 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 dance. I was really, really focused. And um, by the time I was 15, 16, I got, you know, I got introduced to a few people and uh, was able to do a few like gigs here and there. 
And then um, a few agents saw me and um, I went to an agency meeting around the age of 16, 17. Uh, I think it was 16 with my dad. They told me to write down, uh, the agency told me to write down a few names on a piece of paper of artists that I wanted to dance for. So I was like Britney Spears, Michael Jackson. I put all down all the names of people that I, you know, looked up to. And, uh, and that was kind of it. And then I went to, you know, I did a, a few commercials. I think I did like this back to school Mervyn's commercial when I was 16, JCPenney, all of those like back to school fun dance commercials that would happen <laughs> back in the days. And then I went and auditioned for Britney Spears at the age of 17, which was my dream job. And this one audition, I, I always remember like it was yesterday because it was such a special moment for me. Like one, I just couldn't sleep all night because uh, I wanted to go so bad. Second, I didn't tell anybody that I was going because I just didn't want to be distracted by anything. I had, a, you know, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I, you know, she was like, so what are you going to do? And, and I, I didn't want to talk to her and I didn't want to do anything. She was like, what do you mean you don't want to talk to me? What do you mean you can't call me for a week? And I was like, listen, it's like I have something really, really special that I have to do for myself. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to talk to anyone. I was like, if you believe in me and you trust me, like, you got to leave me alone for a week. Uh, and same with my parents. I didn't tell them anything. I just got up that morning. Audition was at 10 a.m. I was there like 8 a.m. in front of the door by myself. Nobody was there. I was the first person to sign my name on the list. And it was like a three, four day audition. And I went through it. And every time I made the next cut, I kept telling myself, all right, we're, we're going to get this. We're going to get this. I don't know why I was so confident that I was going to get it, but there was something about it that I just wanted it so bad. I can't really even explain it. It was such a weird feeling, and I was willing to do anything to get it. And um, I kept working, kept working, and then we were. it was the last day of the audition. I think it was like 30 or 40 of us left. And um, this is when Britney Spears came in. Now she's going to, like, watch us and – you know, we're going to kind of stand next to her so they could see who, who looks good with her and which dancers look good with who. And then once we got to the top eight and they were like, OK, you guys are the dancers. And, and I was one of the dancers. And it was the most surreal moment of my life because I started crying from like, you know, because I always saw people cry when they're happy, but I never understood that. It's like, why are you crying? Yeah, I was like, bro, wow. why are you crying? You're like, you're supposed to be happy. But I literally started crying. It was like the first time I experienced tears of joy. And and it was just the most surreal moment to have to see this artist from her first single of Baby One More Time, to watch her on TV. And remember, I come from a country where you don't really see celebrities and things like that. You just see them in a TV in this box where you don't even believe they exist. You know, they, you just think they're people in this, this they're box. They pretend. They live in yeah, the box. Exactly. So for me to like live that and then come here and then have this dream and then watch them on MTV and then go to an audition and then literally have all these dreams of dancing with her. And then two, three weeks later, I'm in rehearsal with her, just like Bernie Spears and me were just rehearsing. And now I'm on stage with her. And it was just, it was just crazy. And that's kind of where my career started. And then from there, you know, just led to other uh, tours with other artists like Madonna and Ricky Martin and uh, doing a bunch of TV shows and commercials and movies. And just, that's kind of where the dream started going from. But yeah, that so moment cool. was the most craziest moment, though. I always, you know, when I remember it, it's just, it's just like when, when they say, like, dreams coming true. Like, that was literally a dream as a little boy to, like, be on stage with her. Like, at that time when she was the biggest pop star in the world, it was, 
and then to be like on stage it was i don't know it's crazy <laughs> that is so cool. crazy even when i talk about it, even though like i've done so many things but like it's, it's just like that dream of like you know, making your dream come true is just, the, is just the craziest feeling. I don't know. For sure. And it sounds like there was such a single mindedness, you know, I'm sure you're not the first 13 year old to decide that he's going to be a professional dancer, but you're one of very few who was so single minded about it. And we're just like, no, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do everything I need in order to be there. And every opportunity that came your way, you jumped on it and, and you got it. Yeah. And there is such a reality, right? When they say like, you know, dreams come true, it, it's not an automatic, but it is a possibility, right? If you mm -hmm. dream it and you work for it and you take opportunities that come your way and you stay focused and you don't give up after the first or second or third thing that isn't exactly what you wanted, um, you get there. I love, I love that. That is such a cool beginning. Did you end up staying in school or were you like, Hey, I danced for Britney Spears. No, I dropped out. At, <laughs> I dropped out at 17. Um, I, you know, I would go to these like weekend school stuff to make up credits. And it's just, I just was not interested at all, at all to, in school. Um, I just felt like I just knew what I wanted to do in life. I just kind of like, I had it figured out. And I remember my teachers in high school saying, but what's plan B? And what if it doesn't work out? And I was like, no, nah, there is no plan B. I was like, this is it. Like, this is what we're doing. Totally. And there's what to be said for that. Like, there is what to be said. There is no plan B. There is only plan A, which means That's plan it. A has to work. There is no other it option. Is. Yes. And, and I say that a lot now to a lot of people I talk about to, that have a plan B, you know, and, and I, I just tell them like plan B is just a distraction from plan A. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're already setting yourself for plan B, like how, how full are you going to go on plan A? You know what I mean? Like you're already not going full. You've already got a plan B. So it's like, you know, for me, I think it's, it's that do or die type of thing. Like you have to put yourself in a position where it's do or die. And when it's do or die, you figure it out, you know what I mean? Totally. Or you die, you know? So it's like, All right. sink or swim. Exactly. So you swim or you sink. <laughs> like those exactly. are your options. Literally. Yeah. I, I, I think for anything you do, and it doesn't have to be, you know, my example, I mean, anything you want to do in life, you know, if you position yourself like that and you tell yourself like it's sink or swim, I mean, you'll figure out some ways to swim. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think everybody needs to put themselves in a position. If they're really passionate about something, they really want it bad enough, they'll figure it out. I mean, they always do. I mean, that's why winners win and losers lose. You know what I mean? Like, they figure it out. And, totally. and one of the other things that, and that's the most important that I've learned maybe later in my journey, because in the beginning, I was very young and naive, and I didn't understand as much. But as I grew up, one of the other things I noticed that helped me along with business and more things that we'll talk about in a little bit is to never quit. You know what I mean? Because people yeah. forget they, 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 they set these limitations on themselves or these time frames of like, okay, I'm going to give myself two years. And no, you know what I mean? Like you can, because it always takes longer than you think, one. Second, it's, it's, it's if you don't quit, you win pretty much. And, 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 and I think that's one of the things I learned later because I had started a lot of businesses where I gave myself time frames. All right, I'm going to do this for three years. Or I'm going to do this for two years. And then I quit. And then I quit this. And then I quit that. And then later on with YouTube and things like that was when I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for a very long time. And I know if I do it consistently for a very long time, you know, it'll probably work out. And that's why all the stuff that I've been moving forward on now and at an older age are all coming together is because there is no quit option. It's like, okay, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. And then we're going to figure it out. We're going to improve. We're going to get better. We're going to have obstacles, but there's no quitting. There's no stopping, you know? 
And when I, once I understood that, things got a little bit more easier. It's not easier in the sense of like moving forward, not that it's easier, but you know. No, it's easier because I, there's always hope because there isn't like a, oh, yeah. it isn't working. It's like, it's gonna work. The, the internal language changes. There's a exactly. great line by Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. um, uh, winners never quit and quitters never win. Exactly. Very simple. Like that, yeah. that is just what it is. Um, so tell me about the later business. So I get that you were a dancer, but then you moved into choreographer and then YouTube star. So like, how did that, at what point were you like, okay, I really know how to dance, but I know how to also make dances. Well, I was, um, as a dancer, I was always choreographing as well. And that's something I learned from my dad because my dad was a choreographer. So he showed me and, and I, by just watching him, I learned you know, how he created and how he put dances together and how he created formations and these type of stuff. So I got to see it in firsthand. And then once I worked with, um, once I got on tour with Britney Spears and Madonna, I got to work with some of the best choreographers and directors like Jamie King and Rich and Tone. And, you know, th these people you're watching like firsthand, it's not going to, you're not going to have better school than that. You know, I mean, you could, I could go to college for dance for hundreds of years. I will never learn the stuff totally. I learned on tour with Madonna in six months. So um, yeah, I mean, I got to work with some amazing people. So that was always in me and I always wanted to try. So I was constantly creating, um, the transition from dancer choreographer happened when I came to a point where I felt like I had accomplished everything I wanted as a dancer. And I'm one of those people that I'm always like, what's the next step? You know, like, okay, I got it. I love to dance, but eventually the dance was a passion, a passion as a little boy. And then it, it became this dream that I had accomplished. And then that dream became a business because now we're making money and it, it kind of starts changing, right? In, in the beginning, I would do anything for free just to dance, but now you're getting paid and now it's like, you know, money gets involved and things start getting tricky and, you, you know, and sometimes you're getting paid what you deserve and sometimes you're not. And then you're like, why am I not getting, you know, so it just turns into a business. And then that's where it gets a little tricky. You have to be able to understand the business aspect of it, but not let it to take away too much from why you started in the first place, which was your passion. And you want to continue to do it because you love it and not because you're doing it for the money. Um, but again, it came to a point where I felt like I had accomplished as much as I wanted as a dancer and I wanted to try other things. And the next level up I felt like was I wanted to choreograph and maybe put my visions together and, and my ideas on, you know, other bodies and other dancers and, and create that. And I got an opportunity to assist, you know, some great choreographers and, and, and other people to get a, a, get a good head start. And then after that, you know, I got a lot of jobs on my own. Um, I got to work with Nickelodeon for a good couple of two years where I was doing a lot of their um, choreography for their shows like uh, Fresh Beat Band and Victorious, which Ariana Grande was part of. And, and now look at where she's at now. Um, You're like, and, Ari, I remember you when you were little. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's, she was so cute, though. We were, we were really good friends. Um, we've spent some, we spent some cool times together. I, I was actually at her Sweet 16 <laughs> at Paramount that she had. So it was really cool to see her from that stage to where she is now, of course. Um, but, yeah, I got to do a lot of stuff like that. And, um, and then it led to the YouTube thing. But the YouTube thing only started because... I started, I started seeing the transition in the entertainment business from, uh, you know, just your regular commercials, TV and tours to this thing called social media. And now it's like a whole different world. You know, it's not even close to what I was doing. So 
I was, you know, I was looking up some stuff on YouTube and I was starting to see a lot of up and coming dancers and choreographers that were getting a lot, a lot of attention on YouTube and they didn't have nowhere near the credits that I had as a professional dancer. But, you know, people watching YouTube don't know that. So it's like, I was kind of starting to get really, really hard on myself. Like, wait, why is this person getting all this credit? And they're just making videos on YouTube. And I've danced for Madonna and I've danced for Britney and I've danced for, you know, Ricky and I've danced for Rihanna and da 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 And I'm not able to book this job or da 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 So I was in this weird transitional period of like going from that TV commercial dancer to like everything that I'm seeing on social media. And I didn't really understand what was going on. But once I saw like everything that was happening in social media, it was I think in March, March or no, April, 2016, I was like, okay, I'm gonna open up my own channel. Well, I had the channel before, but it was just there where I would just upload a video once a year or something, a reel that I wanted to show somebody or something like that. I never thought of it as a TV, my own channel type of thing. Um, but and then I also saw what was going on with all the, 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 the makeup artist stuff that was happening with all these makeup artists. Anybody and their mama was becoming a makeup artist through YouTube. <laughs> and, and they were just killing it. I can like, put on mascara. Here's yeah. my eyeballs. Zoom and, in. and millions of <laughs> subscribers, you know. But, you know, you don't understand it. But, you know, you have all these young kids and, and, and young girls and, and they're all on YouTube all the time. So if that's what they're watching. That's where the attention is. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, where the attention when, goes, the money flows. Exactly. So, April 2016, I was like, all right, I'm going to get on YouTube. I'm going to make consistent videos. And at this time, my YouTube channel probably already had like 25, 30,000 subscribers because I had done some videos before, like I had released once a year. And one of them actually did really well. Um, and it's still actually my most viewed video. It has a close to 38 million views. Um, that is so yeah. many. I'm like, I'm trying to even just wrap my brain around that many people. Right. <laughs> so many people. Yeah. So. But so what that, were you uploading then? Like, I was just uploading. Then? You just like no, put up like whatever. Just cool dance videos. Like I shot a cool dance video with my students that I was teaching at the time. They weren't even professional dancers. I just was a cool concept, cool video. Um, it was like this whole camouflage theme, army kind of thing. I was a, we did it to that, that power song with Justin Bieber and Will I Am. And I just uploaded it. I don't know. I just put it on YouTube because people put videos on YouTube. So hey. I just put it up there and it, you know, it was kind of doing this thing little by little, but and then I guess it fell in some playlists and stuff that it got shared and boom, it was just kept going like millions of views. And I was getting subscribers from that, from that, but I still didn't understand how to use it or why I'm getting subscribers or what do they expect from me? Why are they even subscribing? So, but I got a head start of like a good 20,000, 25,000 subscribers. But <clears throat> once I saw other people doing it and understood like the, the tutorial like sections of stuff and this and this and that, I mean, Dance On, which was a network which is a dance network um, on YouTube and Instagram and stuff. They had approached me in 2011. This was like 80 years ago and asking me to, and I did a video with them for their channel. Um, they had asked me to do tutorials and things like that. And again, like at that time I didn't see the vision. I was like, who's going to learn stuff on YouTube. I was like, <laughs> people are just going to be like dancing in their room. I'm like, I'm like, it's a stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to. Who do would it. ever want to carry a computer in their yeah, pocket? Exactly. Like, I was like, that? computers are at the office. Yeah, pockets are for hands. Like, sorry, but that's that's where my mind was at the time. I love and, it, and you I know, didn't do that's it. Everything that's that's everything until it becomes. And of course, now instead, if I started in 2011, it's like 2016. We'll be here talking about maybe 10 million subscribers or something, but. I didn't, and I started in 2016, and I started with one video a week, and I wasn't making tutorials yet either. I was just doing dance videos because I still was not sure about the tutorials yet. Um, and then um, once I got comfortable with once a week, I was like, okay, I could do more. I was like, let's do twice a week. So I started making videos twice a week, and then somehow, some way, I convinced myself to do a tutorial, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to do a tutorial now. I started doing some tutorials and the tutorials really started taking off. Like people were really like, Oh, I love this. Now I can learn stuff on YouTube and, and all these stuff. And I started doing some basic stuff too, because I was like, you know what, let me start doing some simple stuff. Cause something clicked. I was like, cause I was watching a lot of tutorials and it was hard to learn. And I felt like these people who were teaching the dance tutorials, they, I felt like they were teaching it to other dancers, not to people who can't really dance. So I was like, okay, let me make it more basic. And the funniest thing, I made this video called Three Simple Moves for Beginners. Um, you can look it up. <laughs> it's already got like 18, 19 million views. Um, it's the most easiest thing. I literally do like a touch step and like a slide. And I don't know what I do. It's, it's, it's just for a dancer, it's funny. But to know that it has 19 million views now or something, and it's, one, like, it's the one video that everyone's like, oh my God, thank you, you're God. And like, I, I have two left feet and now I could, you know, I could do this. And I'm like, all right, I guess I just need to do some basic stuff. Cause I'm like, I guess, you know, half of the world can't really dance. You know what I mean? I was like, and, and since I'm surrounded by all dancers, so I'm thinking everybody could dance. Uh, so yeah, I just started making all types of tutorials and the tutorials really like really, really click, you know? And, um, and a lot of my tutorials all have millions and millions of views. And and another thing I, I noticed on YouTube is I've been teaching since I was 17, 18 years old. I started teaching at Millennium as well at 17 years old. So I've been teaching for a really long time since I was young. But all the comments I would get on YouTube were, you're such a great teacher. You take your time. You're so patient. You're this. And then I was like, it's like, wait, maybe I am a good teacher. Because <laughs> I never knew I was a good teacher until everybody started saying I'm a really, really good teacher. And I guess that just came from my experience of teaching for such a long time but I had never really put it on camera. And then the way I teach on camera is kind of exactly how I teach in class. Like I, I'm really patient. I really take my time. I actually repeat the steps like 10 times for people to really like learn it. And, and everybody would write that on the comment box. They'll be like, oh, you're so, you're so patient. You're so this. Or like I used to watch other tutorials. I would have to rewind the video a hundred times because I never got the steps. And I think those two things really clicked on my channel. One was uh, the the time and effort I put into my tutorials, which was like really taking my time, making sure that they learn the steps. I'm not just showing them the steps. I was really teaching them the steps, one. And second, the fact that I had such a long experience of teaching, you know, that actually you could see that on, t on, on camera and you could see that on my tutorials compared to somebody who's just trying to teach a move and they have no teaching experience. So those two things really clicked on my channel. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of my views started coming from and a lot of my subscribers. Um, my dance videos have done really well too, but I, I think it was, it's definitely been the tutorials that pushed my channel to like another level. And even now I feel like when I put up videos, my tutorials always get more views. 
Um, and unless it's like a really popular song type of dance video that everyone's jamming to and, and then those will go into millions as well. But the tutorials always do well. So, and that's kind of how it started. I went, you know, one video a week, two video a week. I went to a point where I was doing three videos a week. I actually went to a point where I was doing five videos a week, Monday, it's Tuesday, so Wednesday, intense. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And then but I, I want to understand back. the mechanics behind this. There's like a, there's a couple elements that I'd love if you could kind of like break down for me and mm -hmm. all these awesome listeners. There's a ton of money that it must cost you. The, there's professional videography. Like I checked out your channel. So cool guys. You definitely have to check this yeah. out, especially if you want to learn how to dance like really well from an awesome teacher. You have professional videography. You're in a professional studio. You've got videography. There's video editing. There's the music. There's that costs money. Yes. So you're investing in this and then there's YouTube strategy. Like there's an understanding of the SEO behind it and the tags and how you name the videos and how you do the thumbnails. Like, I guess I have two questions. I'll ask them one at a time. One, how were you willing to invest all this money and what was your plan to recoup it? <clears throat> well, first, I mean, also remember, I, I come from a professional background, so I don't know anything less than that. So everything I do has to look good. So I, you know, I understand lighting. I edit all my videos. Uh, so you I, edit them still? Yes, yes. Still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I have another friend that I, another um, business partner that I brought in and he's been helping me edit the tutorial parts of it because the tutorials are a little bit more easier. It's just to kind of chop this part out and things like that. But as far as the dance videos, since it's my creative, I have to edit it because no one's going to see my vision the way I see it. So I edit all the dance videos. Um, and even now, I mean, I, I edit 75, 80% of, of my videos. Wow. Um, what program do you use? Premiere Pro. Okay. Yeah. Adobe, right? Yes. And, and before I didn't do that, but my brother, my brother, who's also a director as well, he used to edit my videos, but what, you know, when he was editing my videos, I was working on his time, not my, not on my time. And when you're trying to do three, four five videos a day, you can't work on somebody else's time. You got to work on crazy. your time. So I was like, bro, you got to teach me how to edit. I'm like, I can't, I can't work on your time anymore. So he showed me the basics of the program and things like that. And then once you get the hang of it, you know, you roll with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know anything less. So I knew a little bit about lighting. So I knew that I had to have good lighting. Um, I knew that I wanted it to look really professional. So my content could live on YouTube for a long time, because I know like, you know, if you shoot it on iPhone or whatever, six months later, you got the new iPhone and the camera is even better. So I didn't want my content to die too early. So I knew if I shot on professional cameras, it could have a long, you know, lasting life on YouTube, whether that's seven years, 10 years. So I went and bought a, you know, a really expensive Canon camera that was like four or $5,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I decided that I'm going to shoot on that. You know, I went and bought lights, you know, spent a couple of thousand dollars on lights and, um, some extra like, um, tripods and this and that, whatever I felt like and I you're needed. you're shooting um, three angles every time. How many angles are you shooting? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I just shoot with one camera, so okay. um, I'll maybe um, I'll shoot it, and then if I want to like focus on the feet or whatever, then we'll take it out and then do a couple of other shots on the feet, and then maybe shots from the angles, uh, or for the dance videos. Again, I shoot with one camera, but I'll do maybe five, six takes, and then chop it up and edit like you know the best sections of the video and things like that. How um, come? Why not have multiple cameras shooting at the same time? I would just have to buy three five thousand oh, dollars. <laughs> that's another ten to investment. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, eventually, I will because it will save me more time. But since I'm so good at editing, the way I edit, you wouldn't know that I shot it on one camera because 
the way I not talk. Not at all. I just yeah. assumed you had three. That yeah, no. Assumption was that you have to have at least three going over there. Yeah. No, but I mean, eventually I would. But if you're shooting on these expensive cameras, then you would need three of those cameras. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you shoot it on a different camera, then the colors are different and all the quality, these, the quality is different. Yeah. So yeah, I did invest my money, but I invested it in the sense of like, this is my business. And, and the way I look at it, and, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, like a lot of times I'll jump into things and, and buy all these things because I know it benefits my business, maybe without even the mindset of like, how am I going to get this money back? Sometimes I don't think about that at all. Um, I, I kind of just think long-term, like I'm all about my business and like going back to what I was talking about when I was super young, you, from 13 or whatever, you saw how passionate I was about what I wanted to do. So for me, it's like, I always think of it this way. Okay, that's $5,000 that I'm spending on myself, on my business, or do I want to spend that $5,000 at a club getting bottles or hanging out with some, you know what I mean? Like, you got to look at it that way. Now, there's people who want to do different things. If people want to go out every weekend and want to have a great time and that's where their money gets spent on, then cool, do you, you know what I mean? But for me, I, I literally care less about all of that. So for me, it's like my $5,000 is going into me, my business, and whatever, my vision and my creation. And even if it's my last dollar, and I have to either eat or buy that equipment, maybe I'll split it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> you feel well, me? So mindedness. It's, it's yeah. For me, it's all about the business. Part of you. And, 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 and I, honestly, I wish I was like that even younger because when I was younger, I, w I didn't really have that mentality too much. I was still working hard to impress other people. I was still trying to look the part. I was still spending, you know, uh, money on things that I didn't need because I thought I needed it to be cool or, you know what I mean? So you go through that phase. Um, I wish I didn't have to go through that phase because if I didn't, I would have spent all my money at a very young age on myself and on my, on my business, you know? But now as I'm getting older, I'm actually working backwards. I'm like, every money I make, I'm like, I'm putting that thing back into the business because I want to grow fast. I feel, I almost feel like I lost years, uh, you know, throughout that time where I was like, trying to fit in and I was trying to da -da -da -da, play that role that everybody plays, you know? And, and now as I'm getting older and, 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 and I, I feel like, damn, I could have been a little bit more closer to where I want to be, or I should be a couple of more levels than I'm at now. And I know this cause I know I'm capable of it. So now I'm all like, all right, every dollar that comes in goes back into the business. Every money that I make, like boom, boom, everything is going back into the business. Cause now I feel like I got to make up for those foolish years of spending money on BS stuff when I didn't have to, you know? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?